0: Who knows what a day may bring forth? Uh, some of you picked up the news last night, others have picked it up this morning, depending on what time you went to bed, about yet another outbreak of uh, terrorist activity against innocent victims, the general public, by those, no doubt, whose minds have been uh, darkened and so darkened as to be misled, to think that they felt justified in the cause that they Follow or seek to promote by killing innocent people. With the words of Jesus come to mind, "If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Uh, and so it is. And as I was been preparing to speak on Joseph this morning, I was in two minds as to whether to switch a sermon over to Gideon instead of preaching on uh, Joseph, but I'd left that uh, preparation for that a little late. Uh, Although there are similarities between Joseph and Gideon, and I will be preaching on Joseph uh, this morning, but both of these people were called upon by God, were anointed by God for a particular purpose, uh, to bring about changes when uh, change needed to to take place. And these changes could not be engineered by human acuity or uh, ability. Gideon, for instance, in a hopeless situation, in a wine press, threshing wheat, while well, Midianites come year after year, season after season, to burn their crops and rob them of everything they have. And they have no way of changing the situation, but God comes to him and calls him a mighty warrior. Well, it's not a sermon on Gideon today, it's a sermon on Joseph, who likewise experiences an intervention from God, whereby he dreams. Dreams as a young man and sees visions of the future. A future that God is going to lead him into. A sovereign God who has a purpose through Joseph's life for his people. In fact, the whole of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are the various chapters, as it were, of life and of history and of the future and of prophecy. The story of God from beginning to end, whereby evil enters into the world and evil is overcome. And we are part of that story. We're written, as it were, the the letters on the pages of the book somewhere in a chapter of life. And we experience and we see the differences, the contrast between good and evil in a fallen world. And we wake up to the kind of news that we heard this morning. The story of Joseph is a story about the sovereignty of God, and God's way of overcoming evil. In Genesis 50, verse 20, he says to his brothers at the end of the story, towards the end of the account, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. These are the words of someone who's been shaped by the difficult experiences of life and has overcome and recognizes the sovereignty, sovereignty of God, the sovereign purposes of God as he looks back over his life. And Christians, you and I, and the Christian church, are very well placed. In fact, above all, we are placed above everything else uh, in, in terms of being, having the power to become difference-makers for good in a world where evil seeks to prevail against good and darkness seeks to overcome light. It cannot, and it will not, and it shall not. This is not a political slant on it where we're talking about uh, extremists uh, seeking to overcome or to destroy democracy. This is in the spiritual realms, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Darkness will never overcome the light. Joseph was a dreamer. I don't think we're ever too old to dream dreams for God or to receive visions from God as to, become, as to becoming difference makers, of making our incremental changes within the world through our obedience to the call of God or the vision of God. However, that may work out, whether in small or great ways, in the economy of the purposes of God. Is Joseph, from the earliest years of his life, received these dreams, and it's good to dream dreams while we're young, while we have energy and time on our hands, while we have opportunities to set the trajectory of our lives towards making a great impact upon a world for good. But even in our later years, we can still. Make a difference for God as God places dreams within our hearts. I mean, I don't know whether you have a dream in your heart. Martin Luther certainly did, didn't he? And he made a remarkable speech about it and was a a difference maker for God. I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr., of course. Have you acted on any dream that God has given to you? Have you experienced setbacks along the way? We're going to read about Joseph's dream here. And what began in Joseph's life? It's Genesis chapter 37. We'll begin at verse 1. Move through to, let's go to 28, shall we? Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, that is Jacob, of course, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Your mother and I? Your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, he said to him, go and see if all, all, all is well with your brothers and the flocks and bring back word to me. And he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields, and he asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. When they saw him at a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer said to each other, Come, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal has devoured him. Then we'll see what will become of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him. Reuben had said this to rescue him from them. Take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe ornate robe that he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it, and they sat down to their meal. And when they looked up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. The camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh. They were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites." and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Joseph's dreams and visions were Great visions of things that were yet to come through his life in the future, and he was excited by them. I don't know whether it was excitement or whether he was precocious or it was being provocative, but I tend to believe that he was a little naive in relationship to his brothers because at 17 years of age, he was excited by the dreams and he lacked the maturity to know how to handle the dreams or the wisdom to. What to hold, of what to hold to himself or what to share with his brothers. And excitedly, the whole story spills out. And how aware he is, or otherwise, of uh, what kind of a reaction he's going to get from his brothers. He, maybe he knew, maybe he didn't know. But he said it anyway, and seems to have come from rather a dysfunctional background. This is dysfunctional family life. We read quite a lot of dysfunctional family life in the Old Testament amongst even the patriarchs. And he emerges from this, uh, but he's already hated by his brothers because his father's favorite and he's wearing this richly colored garment and he's sent to spy on his brothers and he comes back and he clipes on them. It's no wonder they just found him annoying. And I don't know why it is that God doesn't give us the wisdom, generally speaking, that we need in our younger years Uh, that only seems to come with the bumps and bruises of life uh, that we go through and we gain, generally speaking, I hope we do, over the years, gain the wisdom that we really need, that we could probably have done with when we were younger, because we make so many mistakes. And Joseph was not uh, an exception to this. Given of his many gifts then, he could have done through, done with this wisdom. But um, Joseph has a lot in his favor, is the eldest son, Of his father's favorite wife. And uh, so he's got things on his side here, but things are going to go pretty badly wrong for him, despite his dreams and his vision from God. Trouble lay ahead for him. And we may be given visions and dreams from God, and we would be mistaken if we thought there was a straight line between the vision of God, the call of God, the favor of God, the dream from God, and the actual reality and the fulfillment of it all. It's not like that, as we know. We hear from God, we get a vision from God, and then all of a sudden, things go wrong. That's normal. We find that in Scripture. And when things go wrong, we have choices. And sometimes we simply drop out of the game. We move into unbelief. We, we, we start to doubt what's going on. Start to doubt that we've actually heard from God. When we look at the life of Joseph, we might look at this and think, well, I can learn from the life of Joseph. Uh, he did this, but I could do things differently. Or he did this, and I can learn from what he's done. It goes one way or the other. The Scriptures are, are wonderful for these kinds of lessons in life. But um, what are your dreams, if you have them? Do you have great dreams? Have you had great dreams in the past? Have they been fulfilled? Have you been knocked out of the game, as it were, by setbacks along the way? Can you recover the track that you were on? Or, somehow have you been so discouraged that you're no longer pursuing the dream that God has given to you? Well, maybe you are. Dreams from God can bring amazing outcomes. I'm astonished by the dream that George Voer had for a ship to take books and bibles to other countries now that's a big dream a big vision way back in 1974 when I was a young Christian in North Wales uh, George Verwa came to stay in the house that I was staying in at the time and uh, I remember his sense of humor he had people on an intentional training program it's called the IT program and he laughed about it he sent me running out with all the others uh, went for a run early in the morning, and then we have to do a Bible study on the bus and everything else. And, uh, but the IT program was, uh, he was drinking tea back at the, uh, this, that's what he called it. This is the IT program. I drink the tea, you go out on the intensive training. But he, I remember it was a man of action and vision. But to get a vision for a ship, which became the Logos, and to see its fulfillment is amazing. Can you imagine? One of you saying, I've got a vision from God for a ship. It's going to cost multi-million pounds, but when a vision comes from God, that vision will be fulfilled. Albeit, understandably, there were setbacks for George Voa and uh, O.M., and also for Youth with a Mission. They were looking to do the same thing, and they put down a deposit on a boat, and they lost their very significant deposit because the people didn't come up with the money for the ship at the time. Eventually, they got one, but that was later. And I remember also waking up to the news, and some of you will remember this too, of when the Logos, the ship the Logos, ran aground in Chile, and it couldn't be saved. But they also had the Doulos, and now I think they've got the Logos hope as well. (laughs) That's, That's amazing, that you can have a vision from God and see it fulfilled in such a way. This is the sovereignty of God. When God puts a dream in somebody's heart and it is a dream from God, no setback uh, along the way can can, um, somehow negate what God is going to do in his sovereign power and his sovereign grace. But it does appear to be quite normal that there are many ups and downs between the dream dreamt and the dream becoming a reality. And this is played out in the whole of the life of Joseph. Joseph is an amazing character, and the whole story of his life is a powerful one for us to revisit at any time in the Christian life, to encourage us when we're experiencing difficulties and setbacks in our lives. Joseph's betrayal by his brothers was a cruel introduction to the harsh realities of this truth. And it was a preparation for what was yet to come for him. Not one of you here, as a Christian believer who's been on the road for a number of years, will have avoided pain and difficulty and struggles that even perhaps have have tempted you to, to walk away from the faith. Interventions in your life that you have never understood, whether it's come through illness or bereavement, whether it's come through persecution or loss or unemployment, whether it's come through failed expectations and the hurt and the pain that come from this. That is part of life lived within a fallen world under the sovereignty of God who will fulfill His purpose in the long term. And the dreams that are grounded in truth that he has given to you and to me. Oh, it's tempting to give up when things go wrong. And you may be in that place right now. Something has happened to you this week, and you think, you know, I feel like throwing it all in, but I'll go along to church this morning and see if I hear from God. I wonder how he felt. I wonder how Joseph felt. Scriptures don't give us much indication, but I could imagine that he could well have doubted the vision. He could well have regretted the way he had handled the information that he had got through the dreams and thought, I wish I'd kept my mouth shut. He may have despaired of what the future held as he was chained up and carried off to Egypt. And many a Christian has been in this kind of situation, but these moments of difficulty, sometimes we look back on them and, and say, do you know I'm glad in a sense that that happened to me. I was speaking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago who has uh, suffered and is still suffering from Lyme disease after having some serious tick bites a number of years ago. And he said what he has learned through that and experienced through the Lyme disease that he is struggling with, and he has memory loss problems and all kinds of things, he says uh, I would not, if I were given the choice to get Lyme disease or not, I would have chosen it for the way that it has helped me in my Christian life. And I find that quite remarkable, and I don't think many of us could actually say that about the things that happen to us along the way, which are a setback in our lives my friend was able to say that in all sincerity. And it does illustrate that the difficulties are the key points of growth for many of us that, con- uh, that contribute somehow, in a strange way, to the fulfillment of the vision that is given to us by God. Don't get knocked out of the game by disappointment. And if you've been unwise then learn from it. So tracing the main events and the main outcome of Joseph's life, what stands out is how his character was shaped through his experience. And those experiences that we have that are negative, that could potentially set us back, can be the point of growth for us. There's so many of the setbacks in his life He's betrayed by his brothers, sold as a slave to the Egyptians. Potiphar's wife lies about him after having failed to seduce him. He is then imprisoned, and the butler, who says he will remember him when he gets out of prison, forgets or chooses not to remember him before Pharaoh. But at the end of the story, Joseph can see just how God's dreams have been fulfilled, even though there was so much hardship for him along the way. It's essentially, a story that illustrates the sovereignty of God who fulfills his purposes through the obedient response of his people. I don't know whether you're like me in this, but I remember strange things. I remember sayings, events that just stand out, things that people say to me. And one of them was I've mentioned George Hossack before, who was, I believe, 20 years. Uh, a minister in the Airdrie Baptist Church, and was, I think I mentioned, he was my senior friend when I first started out in ministry. I was reading up a little bit about George Hossack, and he must have been quite an outstanding preacher, because when he was at the Baptist College, they used to issue prizes. I don't think they do prizes, or they kind of discourage prize giving now in the the, uh, Baptist College, but in those days, there were prizes for preaching, and he used to get the first prize every year for preaching when he was a student. But he said, he told me his text. It's funny, I, I should remember his text for when he preached at Airdrie with a view, preached with a view of Airdrie. He said, I preached on uh, Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over the wall. And he said, I think they called me because of that. I don't know why I remember that, but I think I remember the text, and I thought, that isn't particularly a text I would preach on if I were preaching with a view somewhere. I wonder how he handled the text. But actually, these words come from the words of blessing that are spoken over Joseph by his father, Jacob. It's an extract from these prophetic words. And it reads like this in Genesis 49. Joseph is a fruitful vine a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over the wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you. And it does illustrate again that God, in sovereign grace and power, ensures that His plans and His promises are finally fulfilled as we persevere and prevail. But sometimes we have to wait. There's ten years, as far as I calculate it, between the time Joseph shared his dreams and the fulfillment of them a ten-year wait. For Abraham and Sarah, it was a longer wait for the promise to be fulfilled and they made so many mistakes along the way. For Nehemiah and Ezra, they saw the walls and the temple of Jerusalem restored only after many a setback and delay along the way. And it was probably when Joseph least expected it that one day a troop of people wandered into his presence and he recognized them as his brothers. Though they, not expecting to see Joseph there, did not recognize him. And that must have been a wonderful moment for him. Where he went out and as we know, he wept uh, over seeing his brothers again. We know little of how Joseph handled his early disappointment. But we do know that he was not embittered by difficult experiences, and it is so easy to become embittered. Remember what the Scriptures say, don't let any root of bitterness spring up within you, and by it many be defiled. It's so easy to become embittered. But if any of you have got gardens or garden paths, dandelions... Well, one of the worst of the weeds, to get out. Why? Because the roots go deep and you break the things off and there's still a root down there and it's springing up and bitterness can be like that. Oh yeah, you can ask God to dig it out, but don't let it get in there in the first place. Please, never, ever become embittered through the painful experiences or disappointments of life. These can be the means by which we are shaped into beauty, into the likeness of Christ. God, in the end, brings about fulfillment of his purposes. Have you received a dream from God? Has your dream stalled? Are you experiencing a setback? It's all normal. Don't be discouraged. The outcome doesn't all depend on you. Ride the storm and trust God to fulfil his word.